Support for today, we're gonna have uh, the Fringe Fest is getting twenty thousand dollars, and uh, we're gonna be talking theology with the great divorce coming to Pacific Theater, plus a film about the Vancouver School of Artists at Doxa. So uh, stay with us. Hello and welcome to the Arts Report for May the 11th, 2011. I'm your host, Adam Janusz. And on today's show... Oh wait, I have to tell you we're on CITR 101.9 FM and we're streaming online at citr.ca as well. Now, where was I? Uh, We've got a very newsworthy show today because just hours ago, earlier today, um, the Fringe Festival received a a giant novelty check for 20 thousand dollars yes and uh we were there that is to say i was there the royal we uh that's the theme of the day by the way uh we this and we that but really i'm just talking about myself um yeah i was there earlier today and um and and talked to david jordan the executive director as well as um the folks from uh capital one capital one and canada helps came together to do an, an awareness campaign for charity fraud and the Fringe Fest is a charity. Not many people might think, uh, when they think of charities, they might think of things like the Red Cross and not necessarily arts organizations. But yes, theaters and other arts organizations are indeed charities. And uh, we'll tell you how, um, how it was that Canada Helps and Capital One uh, decided to give the Vancouver Fringe Festival 20 grand, which, as you'll hear, couldn't have come at a better time. We'll also talk about The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. This is a book that was adapted into a play and will be coming to Pacific Theatre on May the 20th. That's going to be great. We'll talk to the director, Kyle Rideout. And as well, we'll tell you about a unique art installation. Uh, this is happening at Canada Line stations. That's the the new SkyTrain line. And you know, when you look at the TV and get information on on uh, you know train delays or see ads for for uh, big corporations, now and over there, since uh, a few weeks ago, you will also be able to see art, uh, video video art, and uh, and visual art projected projected. Uh, out of the televisions. Projected out of the televisions? That, that's a bit clunky. You know what I mean. You look at the TV and there's an image. Hey. So, um, so we'll find out what that is all about. It's called 10 Seconds and it changes every month. And there's a new one coming up this week. So we'll get the scoop on that. And uh, DOXA, the Documentary Film Festival, is happening right now. And it is going on for a little while yet. We will uh, find out about Picture Start. This is a film that's coming uh, tomorrow, Thursday, uh, May 12th, 
to Van City Theatre, and it focuses on Vancouver artists, many of them who went to uh, UBC. So we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about that film. We'll, we'll speak to the director. So we've got um, a great show for you. But uh, but as I said at the top, it's very it's a very newsworthy program uh, today because I don't often I don't often get to uh, to get a scoop. You know, usually um, I interview somebody who's got something coming up in the next little while. But it's rare that I get to um, go to a morning announcement. A morning check uh, exchange and then get to broadcast it to you on that same day, just hours later. But that's exactly what happened uh, today. So let me tell you about that. So just as David Jordan, the executive director of Vancouver's Fringe, was coming to terms with a deficit for this year's festival, something amazing happened. Capital One Canada and Canada Helps were doing a national awareness campaign highlighting charity fraud and they did it by putting up a quiz that people could take online. One lucky quiz taker would get $20,000 to donate to their favorite charity. A woman by the name of Liana Walden won that prize and decided to give it to the Fringe. Now, Liana is no stranger to the Fringe. She's been a lifelong supporter and currently sits on its board. She heard about the contest from the Fringe Festival's director of development, Gareth Duncan. So earlier today, Gareth, Liana, David, and the whole Fringe crew came together with the folks from Capital One and Canada Helps as the Fringe was presented with a giant novelty check. So here is Dion Youngblood, the Senior Business Director from Capital One, explaining where the idea for this quiz came from. And also in this clip is David Jordan reacting to getting this much-needed boost. The idea really came from the need to educate the public on the risk of charity fraud and uh, we felt that was the best way to get that word out and also uh, have a fun concept to allow the winner of the contest to choose the charity of their choice for the donation. And uh, just give us a quick idea of how it worked, like uh, because there was there was one grand prize but there were also smaller prizes? Yeah, there were four smaller prizes and then the grand prize and people that uh, took the quiz were entered in the draw and then their names were Selected, uh, and they got to choose the charity of their choice. And what do you think of uh, the Fringe, Vancouver Fringe, winning it? Oh, it's fantastic. I think it's great to be out here in Vancouver and just really a lot of excitement and energy uh, with the Fringe Festival and just great to be a part of it. Great. Uh, David, let me ask you, how did you, uh, how did you find out about this? Because it's not a typical way for, uh, for an arts organization to um, discover they've, they've got some money. Um, well, our director of development was really responsible for bringing it to our attention. I get, you know, this, and we just recently hired our director of development. Before last year, we didn't have one. So that was, uh, you know, wonderful that he was able to focus on something like this. It really would have sort of come in and out of my inbox, um, uh, unfortunately. So it's wonderful to feel feel like we have the the growing infrastructure to be able to support um, you know all of all aspects of, um, of charitable donations so. and uh, in terms of being a, a victim of, of charity fraud um, has the fringe ever been involved in, in fraud as far as you know not that I know of um, which is amazing because we also uh, you know we we've we, we move but we also you know fraud in general we've moved you know uh, 
Um, we move a lot of money around uh, around the festival. We use volunteers to do so. Um, so I think it's a real testament to the to the group of people that we work that we've never had any issues. Although you know you really can't count on that. So you know we we do uh, we we are trying to increase all all of our levels of you know checks and balances and and security. So yeah. And in terms of uh, what impact twenty thousand dollars makes, is that just a drop in the bucket in terms of what the fringe does, or is that a substantial sort of boost? Um, well, that's it's a it's a it's coming just at the right time. Um, we've had some provincial cuts um, to our budget. Next year, we're going to be losing seventy thousand um, dollars. We've managed to do a three-year budget that will see us having a surpluses in year one and year three. So the year two was the one where we were planning a deficit year. So um, this will actually we were planning to ha have a, a deficit of seventeen thousand dollars. So this is literally going to plug the hole. Um, so that's fantastic. Congratulations. It is fantastic. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So David Jordan there, very happy with this donation of 20 grand, and uh, Dion Youngblood from Capital One, also happy to give it to them, and why not? Um, also, we have one more interview for you, and that's with uh, Liana Walden, who, who was the, the, the angel, the donation money fairy, if you will, who, uh, who generously uh, decided to give it to the Fringe, um, so yeah, so I asked her to tell us uh, tell us a story about how how this whole thing happened and how she came to 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 win. First of all, I've been involved with the Fringe probably about twenty years, like on and off, as a volunteer starting when I was in university. And I've worked for the Fringe Festival, and now I'm on the board of the Fringe Festival. And so one of the um, employees was pushing this survey, sending it out to everybody, all the members, saying, hey, let's sign up for this. What, you know, it's, it's very simple. It's an easy survey. Um, and there's a possibility. I mean, we don't know, but what the heck. It's a, it's a, and it's actually a really good survey. Let's, let's just do it. So I said, okay, with that, you know, I might as well do it. And it was easy, and it was good. And it was informative, actually. And, um, which I guess was the point. Which was the point. <laughs> Canada Health is trying to be informative there. And it, and it was actually very informative. I mean, I knew a lot of those, the, the, the answers to the questions, of course, but it just brings awareness to charity fraud, basically. So that was it, and I forgot about it. And um, and it asked you at the end to choose, if you were to win, what charity would you choose? And, and you know, I've been involved with the Fringe for so long. I'm like, okay, of course, the Fringe Festival. Yeah. And that's it. And that's that's it. Yeah, I got a call, and uh, you won the grand prize. I guess they, they have other prizes. I don't know the um, yeah, the levels of the other ones, but um, so I thought, well, okay, grand prize. What does that mean? Yeah. You say, well, it's twenty thousand. Twenty thousand! Oh my god! And apparently, that 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 comes at just the right time. It it bugs a leak in uh, in the budget for the fringe this year, so it was very timely that way. Yes, it was. It was. Now, just tell me a little bit about the fringe and why the why the fringe. Um, you said you've been involved with it for for such a long time on so many different levels, and I, I just want to ask you a little bit about why that is. What is it about the Fringe versus any other uh, arts organization that, that you feel makes it um, deserving of this and, and deserving of your you know participation? Well, uh, first of all, I really like what the Fringe represents. 
and that is freedom of expression. And I think that's so important, and that's uh, that's a really important aspect of, of Canadian culture. And uh, you know, we're we're a melting pot of all these cultures from all over the world, and we're trying to establish some kind of an identity. I think we have been trying for uh, for many years. It takes, yeah, well, we're young. We're young. We're very very young, and it takes hundreds of years to establish identity. It takes numbers of generations to get to that point. And one reason why people do come to this country is because they know there is freedom in this country to express themselves, to express themselves culturally, artistically, socially. I mean, you can be whoever you want, basically, in Canada and be accepted um, sexually, you know, all sorts of ways. So that is such an important aspect of the festival for me is that these artists are given the opportunity to express themselves freely. Right, there's because no the festival is unjuried and there's no, like, creative, artistic... Exactly, exactly. There's no, there's nobody coming in telling them how to do what they do. I mean, besides, you know, there's this, besides the limitation of legality, um, they can do pretty much anything they want and express themselves any way they want. And that's changed over the years, and it, and it, it really reflects uh, the times. That it reflects what's going on in the country. In the way that people choose to, to yeah. express themselves. Yeah. yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, you've, you've seen more sex in some of the plays at times, and then you see a lot less, and you might see more serious type of plays, and you might. Or more political types. Yeah, exactly. And they're all expressing. I mean, the majority of the plays and the artists come from Canada. Uh, Vancouver's French Festival from BC. or uh, And then there's a national section. But there's also an international section. So that's an important part of it, too, where it brings together um, other artists from around the world so you can, can share ideas and, and explore with each other. And they actually come together usually at every festival. At the end of the festival, a number of artists come together and they perform something together as a group. And that's also expressed in a free manner, unjuried manner. So I think that is that's that's just so important to me that we as Canadians start to create an identity and how do you do that but through our artistic means and the um, a place where you can express freely. Uh, have you ever thought about having a French show yourself? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Have you done it? No, I haven't done. I haven't done one. But um, you know, there are people that are, are in the fringe that are uh, 20, and there are people in the fringe that are 70. Exactly. So you can be any age. That's the other thing. It's all inclusive. It, it, you know, it's not restrictive to any any age, any any race, any anything. So maybe I will one day. I don't know. I haven't done that yet. So. <laughs> And that's Liana Walden, who is contemplating her first uh, Fringe production, maybe 2012. So there we have it. Uh, the Fringe Vancouver International Fringe Festival gets to gets to live another day, as if they weren't going to. But uh, but they'll get to live another day um, a little bit smoother, a little bit more safer on safer ground. So that's uh, Capital One and Canada Helps Charity Fraud Awareness Campaign, the result of which uh, is $20,000 for the Vancouver Fringe. And a couple of websites for you. Canada Helps is one, canadahelps.org. And what they do is they make it easy for you to donate to any registered Canadian charity that you want. Uh, One-stop shop. So you can go to canadahelps.org. And you can find uh, charities, you can find uh, what cause you like, and, um, and give, them, give them some much-needed dollars. So that's them. Another website for you is VancouverFringe.com. And, of course, you can find out about this year's uh, festival, which is going to be September 8th until the 18th. Still many, many months to go before we can, uh, can feast on, on that. 
but uh, but their website is up, and they have uh, they have a great blog. They they're always putting up um, you know news and relevant issues to to artists and uh, arts community people, as well as you know updating us on on the things that they're doing as they as they gear up for for the festival. So yeah, check that out. And oh, why not? While I'm plugging websites, why not our website, citr.ca? You can get more information on the features that we have on today's show, and you can find links to our Twitter feed, our Facebook page, and uh, and even our YouTube channel. Yes, the Arts Report has a YouTube channel, and uh, we're slowly and steadily uh, putting up more interviews. Interviews uh, specifically. You know, not just the show, not just the Arts Report podcast, which you can also get, but uh, but specific interviews um, that uh, that were good and deserved to be uh, put up one by one. So yeah, you can check out our YouTube uh, channel and um, and listen to some great interviews that are sitting there. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about a show that uh, that deals with heaven and hell, the great divorce. So stay with us. Liveband.com is Vancouver's community-driven concert calendar. New shows are added daily by the city's most active promoters, musicians, and by the driving force of the music scene, the fans. Liveband.com's listings are different because they are integrated with profiles updated by bands and business owners as they promote upcoming events. Check out the archives to see how closely we've worked within the community to put on the shows you love. Visit LiveMusicVancouver.com for the latest independent and major label event listings. LiveVan.com, Vancouver's community-driven concert calendar. And you are listening to the Arts Report on CITR, 101.9 FM in Vancouver and uh, worldwide on CITR.ca. A music relief rock show to tell you about... That's a benefit for Japan called Rockin' Relief, featuring Pointed Sticks, The Bonitos, The Jolts, The Trespassers, White Lung, and many more. That's happening tomorrow. Tomorrow night, Thursday, May 12th at 8 p.m. And that is at Venue, which is 881 Granville Street. You can get tickets. Uh, Can you get tickets at the door? Probably, but uh, you can also get them from Red Cat, Scratch, Zulu, Neptune, High Life, and... Bone Rattle. Is that a record shop? Bone Rattle, yeah. Okay, those are all record shops. Uh, 100% of ticket proceeds will be donated to Red Cross Japan Relief Fund. There you go. So check out that show. Now then, C.S. Lewis must be the most famous Christian science fiction fantasy writer. Though, to be fair, I don't know a lot of other science fiction fantasy writers who infuse their work with religious themes. But if there are others, he's the best. One of his books, The Great Divorce, is going up as a play at Pacific Theatre on May the 20th, and it's directed by Kyle Rideout. It's about a journey from heaven to... Sorry, from hell to heaven. From heaven to hell would be a whole different play. It's about a journey from hell to heaven, though not in a typical sense. Hell, in this show, is an industrial city in the north of England, for example, and the journey to heaven is on a bus. So, here's director Kyle Rideout to tell us more. Um, well, it's uh, all centered around the main character, Lewis, and um, he is uh, at a bus stop uh, in hell, and they take a, a trip, an excursion to heaven. And um, this heaven that C.S. Lewis talks about is 
much different from white, fluffy, clouded heaven that, you know, is the stereotype. Mm-hmm. And it kind of challenges those views. And basically these um, people from hell um, encounter um, these people from heaven, and then they kind of discuss their situation. And that's uh, about trying to um, get these people from hell to um, stay there. So that's kind of um, the story, yeah. To get them to stay there? Yeah, to get them to stay in heaven, to get them to... um, um, They kind of work through... Each of them have their own kind of choice of why they're why they're in hell it's like there's they're having this obsession that they can't quite let go of mm-hmm. and heaven shines their light on their clenched fists and trying to get them to um just open up and let go hmm. and what are what would you say is the the sort of underlying concept um it's it, it is to, like, to what extent is this a theological play uh i think it's it's um uh, largely a uh, theological play. I mm-hmm. mean, it deals with um, C.S. Lewis was Christian, and it deals with uh, a lot of Christian themes, but I think it um, it's less... What I take from it is less about religion and more about kind of truths and about um, our own humanity and about goodness mm-hmm. and, like, what defines goodness and what about... Um, you know, we have these different levels of, of goodness in our own, I feel, in society, and this kind of just erases the levels, and it puts stuff where someone has a simple thing where they complain in this play, and that becomes a problem. And then there's someone who's a murderer that lives in heaven, hmm. and it just kind of twists things around. Now, as a theological, or, or, or a play that deals with, with theological issues, um, would you say it's preachy? Um, that's something that I want to stay away from. Yeah, is being preachy to to anybody. There are these um, encounters between ghosts, and it's uh, Lewis has strung them together. Um, so it's more it's more about um, interesting ideas that are being put forth from Lewis. Mm-hmm. These are kind of arguments, and you're hearing the you're actually like watching an argument talking about an idea about heaven. And about hell. It's almost like a like a trial of ideas. Yeah, it's like a trial of ideas, and um, and and I am trying to be true to. We're trying to be true to C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was Christian, but we're trying not to be preachy about anything. Right, because I mean, he wasn't necessarily preachy. I mean, he he no. um, told many stories that that, uh, that appealed to a huge range of of people. Right, that uh-huh. didn't necessarily take uh, religious. Uh, thing out of it, right? They could just take other aspects out. Yeah. Now, uh, in terms of as a director, what's what's the biggest thing you want to to communicate? Um, you know, as your own sort of personal artistic statement. Um, I don't know if there's anything that I'm I'm trying to like force onto anyone or, or, yeah. or to communicate. I'm just trying to kind of open up the ideas and stereotypes around. Um, heaven and to be able to acknowledge C.S. Lewis's work and his ideas and be true to them, um, and then be able to do that as best as possible. Yeah. Now, uh, you've, your your uh, your style has been described as fantastical and larger than life. Huh. Uh, why why do you think that is? 
Um, I directed, um, I started uh, actually as an actor, and um, I've been acting in Vancouver for the last um, seven years now. Um, and I made a short film called Hop the Twig, and um, it's, which is playing in, in festivals worldwide, and um, made it for $1,000, and it has tons of visual effects, and, and there's butterflies flying through, and, and um, um, I think that's where that originates from. And then as well, I did another uh, short film um, recently with some um, Vancouver actors, and it's about these people that wear plants in an office. So some of the ideas that I've come across in the film side of things have been fantastical. There you go. Uh, there's Kyle Rideout, and you can see his fantastical or not fantastical take on uh, The Great Divorce, which is coming to Pacific Theatre. Before I give you the event information, here is a fun fact. It's been announced that two production companies are currently working on a film adaptation of The Great Divorce, and that is expected to be released in 2011, so perhaps later this year. So you can see the film, but before you see the film, you can see uh, the play and then compare which one is better. Probably the first one would be better. It's like books. Whenever books are made into movies, especially if you've read the book, oh, God, then then the movie just always seems terrible. The latest, the last one that I saw was um, The Road. I read, I read it as a book, and then the movie was just like, what are you people doing? So it's tough to make things into movies. So, uh, yeah, so check out the play, and then you can, uh, you can hate on the film <laughs> when it's made. <laughs> no, 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 no hatred necessary. But The Great Divorce uh, is coming to the Pacific Theatre, which is on West 12th at Hemlock, and that's coming May the 20th until June 18th, Wednesdays through Saturdays at 8 p.m. and uh, 2 p.m. matinees on Saturdays, and tickets range from 16.50 to 29.50. And for more information on the show and uh, anything else that Pacific Theatre has on the go, you can go to pacifictheatre.org. Now, uh, last week on the Arts Report, we told you about The You Show. And this is a, a dance exploration of, of identity and what it means to be, well, you. Uh, it features four different works, which are called A Picture of You Falling, The Other You, Das Glashaus, and A Picture of You Flying. And you can catch all four of those uh, chunks, those, um, those, those, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. But you can catch those works in, in their total package. I'm, I'm trying to get at, like, you know, nuggets. You can catch those nuggets in their, in their cohesive package. Um, you can do that at the Colch. And uh, that is happening right now until the 14th, which is what day of the week? That's a Saturday. So right now until uh, Saturday at 8 p.m., and today and tomorrow there are post-show talkbacks and you can talk to Crystal Pite, which has got to be one of the world's uh, greatest living choreographers right now. Uh, you can look her, look her up online, check her out. There's some clips on YouTube of her work. She is quite famous and she's, she's a local. She's from Vancouver, but, uh, but she works all over Europe and uh, the States and Canada and is world-renowned for her choreography and dancing skills. So check out her show. It's playing at the Colch right now. 
Alright, so uh, what are we gonna do now? Maybe we'll take a, a quick break. Yeah? Or I'm gonna or we're gonna play a song. Yeah, let's play a song. So we're gonna play uh, something from the Pack A D. Why you ask? Because they'll be at the Red Room on Saturday, May the fourteenth. Uh, tickets are ten bucks for that. You can get them at Zulu Records and at the door at the Red Room. So here's um, Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, it is the Pack AD with the song Crazy from their album We Kill Computers. Which we're going to play for you any second now. Oh, right. They're, this is their last show in Vancouver. Ah, this is their last show in Vancouver of the year. So catch them before they're gone. Okay. That's a shame. Oh, you know why? Try now. <laughs> Here we go. Let's try that again. Oh, it's not working. All right, I think we'll have to take an ad then. Ad break. Okay, we're going to figure out our technical difficulties and see why we can't play the Pack ADs crazy. And, uh, but until then, stay with us. The North by Northeast Festival, music, film, and interactive takes over Toronto once again June 13th to 19th. North by Northeast showcases the best new music from around the world. Rock, hip-hop, punk, country, blues, electronica, singer-songwriter, and more. It's your chance to catch breakout performances from tomorrow's stars. Seven days, 50 stages, over 650 bands, plus 40 great music-related films. All this for just 50 bucks. Wristbands are on sale. Check nxne.com for details. Also available... Passes that get you into the clubs first and into North by Northeast's groundbreaking interactive media conference. You want more? North by Northeast also rocks the heart of Toronto with four nights of massive free outdoor concerts. Visit nxne.com for tickets and up-to-the-minute festival info. North by Northeast, celebrating 17 years of great music. And we're back on the Arts Report here on CITR 101.9 FM and streaming online at CI. TR.ca. We've still got uh, plenty of show for you, but uh, I want to tell you about uh, an interview we did last week for a play called Love Stories. Uh, this is one being put on by an ambitious young theater company called Kineticism, uh, which I kept mispronouncing last week as. What was I saying? Kineticism. I was saying kineticism, and I was I was pronouncing it perfectly. I was like kineticism, sism, sism, with an echo, and I was doing it wrong. It's kineticism, of course. Any idiot will know. Anyway, these guys are putting on love stories, and this is at the Little Mountain Gallery, and it's a play all about uh, love. Spill <laughs> the stories filled with love and uh, they include a, a sort of play within a play uh, there's an audition scene where, um, where where an actor is auditioning for something and, um, and and it's sort of used as a metaphor for for relationships so uh, that show is happening right now it opens today today May 11th until the 21st uh, at 8 p.m. at Little Mountain Gallery, which is a lovely little space at Main and 26th. And guess what? All shows are pay what you can, which means you can be extremely generous and give them that $100 bill you've been saving for weeks. So check that out. Now, we'd like to play a song for you that we tried to before the break. 
And uh, this time I think we've got it. It's the pack AD with Crazy. That's the Pack AD with Crazy, and the Pack AD will be at the Red Room at Red Room on Saturday, May 14th at 8 p.m. 
and they said this might be their last show in Vancouver this year because uh, they're going on a huge tour. So they might not be back for a long time. So this is your last chance to check them out perhaps before 2012. So get out there and uh, check them out at the Red Room. All right. 10 Seconds is a monthly art project taking over the TV screens at the Canada Line Skytrain stations with 10-second bursts of public art. It launched last month as part of the celebration for Vancouver's 125th birthday and will continue for one whole year. Last month's featured artist was Dana Claxton with a piece called Hippie Chick. This month it will be Michael Turner's turn, famous for his novel Hardcore Logo, with his work Slash Forward, focusing on the forward slash symbol that we so often see in web addresses. I spoke to the curator of this collaboration between On Main and In Transit BC, Paul Wong. He, or I started by asking him where the idea for 10 seconds came from. You know, the idea came from the idea of, you know, um, you know what is public art? Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm always interested in, um, you know, doing, uh, you know, my whole trajectory as a, both an artist and as a producer and curator yeah. is to always um, reclaim and claim both conventional and unconventional places to uh, feature contemporary art. And what do you mean by reclaim? Uh, well, the... Um, in a, in a public transit system, Canada Line, mm-hmm. it's a public transit system. And the video monitors that are put into a pu- the public space have, uh, it's a space that has been, uh, that those TV screens yeah. um, are, are advertiser-driven, um, where these 10-second things are inserted into what is advertising space, mm-hmm. uh, framed by, you know, global news, breaking news items, and then another bar that is, um, you know, Canada Line transit information. Yeah, like when the next like train is four, coming. Four, four and minutes or delays or whatever. Right, okay. Right. So um, it just seemed uh, to be, uh, for me, an obvious thing to kind of like um, present um, a creative intervention. Yeah. That's something that's not a commercially driven right. message or a PSA that <laughs> says, you know, um, you know, um, daffodils are cancer month or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so you know, it, it, it's, it's um, um, yeah. It, and, it, and that's an interesting idea to kind of uh, take a transit stop, which people would not assume is anything artistic or, or could have any artistic potential, and then sort of injecting, like you say, uh, putting in um, and reclaiming uh, some sort of artistic component to it. Yeah. Interesting. But, right. But that's not, you know, message-driven, uh, product-driven, information-driven. Right. So what does drive it? Like what, um, you know, when you're, when you're curating and when you're selecting artists and pieces, what are you looking for? Well, part of this um, project um, uh, is also um, influenced by it being commissioned by the City of Vancouver Public Art Program, specifically the program to do with celebrating Vancouver 125. Yeah, the birthday party. Right. <laughs> the year-long uh, birthday party. Right. So um, the first project, um, you know, makes use of archival history. That was uh, Dana Claxton's Hippie Chick, right. which uses his 1967 um, CBC footage of um, a hippie chick dancing in Stanley Park. Mm-hmm. Um, this project of Michael Turner's is really um, 
about now and um, taking the idea of the forward slash from a, a literary internet uh, used to now uh, uh, a Twitter 140 message thing into uh, this optical graphic thing. Mm -hmm. So um, it's of the moment in terms of, of, of again using uh, this as a graphic, turning it into an optical work of art. And, and being of the moment, uh, how does one view this 10-second spot, his 10-second spot, let's just say in 25 years from now, or even 10 years from now, when, you know, um, uh, it's a, get a reference back to our, twi our, our, you know, our tweaking Twitter times, <laughs> yeah. which was probably going to be so outdated. And so <laughs> right, we'll probably be on to the next, you know, well, two we're, things. We're, you, know, you know that we will be. Yeah, of course. Right, so, you know, how is that going to be viewed in 10 years, 20 years, or 25 years? Hmm. What kind of response are you hoping to get from uh, people? It, it says in the press release, um, there's words like surprise, seduced, interrupted. Well, I know that um, for people who um, uh, have seen the hippie chick, um, and then have um, that have come across it, and then have discovered that because I gave a talk down there um, last week as part of the uh, Vancouver Gallery Hop thing, mm -hmm. was um, someone said, you know, yeah, when they came across it, uh, every time they saw it. They put a smile on their face. Uh, they uh, didn't know what it was about or where it came from because it's it's not it, it's, it's it's quite um, these these things were just inserted on there with not a whole lot of um, identity. Yeah. Um, uh, someone said that they were um, quite mesmerized by it. I wanted to see it again and again and again. So those are two remarks I've gotten from people who 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 only uh, found out the context of it after the fact. Okay. So um, I, I suppose, you know, these things are repeated every two minutes, and um, it's through the repeated cycle that you might start to notice it subliminally. So maybe that this will become, uh, by having produced a series of these things from different perspectives with different kinds of artists, that I'm hoping that this will become um, a little template um, for you know, ongoing. Yeah, future future yeah. endeavors. Yeah. Yes, I set a precedent. Great. Thank you. And that's Paul Wong. Ten seconds is curated uh, by Paul Wong and is presented by On Main in partnership with In Transit BC. Uh, and it was commissioned by the City of Vancouver Public Art Program with the support of Vancouver 125 and the participation of the Government of Canada. So check that out. Uh, the next one starts May 16th, and that's the one by Michael Turner. So uh, starting May 16th, keep an eye out when you are on the Canada line and uh, stations. Uh, there's also, if you want to see what last month's uh, looked like, the, the, the piece by Dana Claxton, you can go to youtube.com slash off on main. That's youtube.com slash off on Maine. All right, so we're going to take a little break, and when we return, we'll tell you about the film Picture Start, which is coming to the DOXA Documentary Film Festival. You know, the idea came from the idea of, you know, um, you know what is public art? Okay, that was not the clip for the ad. That was, in fact, the interview we just aired. Let's try that again, shall we? We'll be right back. Mm -hmm. 
Are you interested in radio but not quite sure how to get involved? CITR is the place for you. We are a volunteer-driven campus and community radio station with a variety of volunteer opportunities. Want to become an on-air programmer? Learn about promotions? Maybe become a news or arts reporter? Come learn about all the ways you can become involved at CITR. Volunteer orientations are held on the first Monday of every month at 6.30 p.m. If the first Monday falls on a statutory holiday, the orientation moves to the second Monday. Visit citr.ca for more information. All right, a new film takes a look at three Vancouver art stars, Jeff Wallace, Jeff Wall, Ian Wallace, and Rodney Graham. It's by Harry Killis, who is from the Emily Carr School of Art and Design. Um, not to say that this film is a part of uh, any kind of curriculum. Um, and um, I spoke to him at a recent media launch for the DOXA uh, Documentary Film Festival, which is happening now. And, um, and I asked him in particular about how these, these artists are sort of grouped by a term, the Vancouver School. And so I really wanted to get his opinion on this phrase and whether it uh, is, is accurate and and what it actually means, or is it just sort of a, a an empty, an empty vacuous, um, you know, phrase that has uh, no real substance and isn't really taken seriously? So I wanted to get his take on that, and we we talked about um, how long this film has been in the making. I'll just tell you uh, the description uh, of this film is in their studios, at galleries, and while walking around the city, three Vancouver art stars reflect back on the pioneering art they individually and occasionally collectively began producing in the 1970s. Their art, causing nothing short of, of a tremor within the art world, eventually came to be known as photoconceptualism, a novel approach to photography involving stripping down the photographic image to pure information, pure idea. Exploring the movement, Picture Start offers an informative insider's look at the personal motivations that drove these artists to create the art that they did. So um, here is uh, Harry Killis talking about where the phrase Vancouver School originated from. It was probably coined by the art historian Jean-Francois Chevrier, who um, curated a historical... Uh, photo exhibition in 1989 called Photokunst in Germany. And in it, he included five uh, Vancouver based artists mm -hmm. who engaged in making photo based art and photography. Yeah. Um, and those people were Jeff Wall and Ian Wallace and uh, Roy Arden and Stan Douglas and Ken Lum. And I think that's uh, about the time when the term Vancouver School popped up, but it includes uh, many other artists. Mm, like Ronnie Uh Probably. <laughs> and, uh, well, why do you say probably? Well, like, this is sort of a, is it because it's like a loose... It's a very loose, yeah. it's a very loose term that just refers to a group of artists who probably um, share some affinities, uh, depending on who you talk to. And uh, Chris Dickiakos would be another artist yeah. that would fit in, and, and some people would argue that the phenomenon of the situation here in uh, avant-garde art um, 
which may or may not be photo-based, it mm. extends across many generations now. So okay. it's a kind of a catchphrase, uh, either referring to a group of artists or referring to a multi-generational phenomenon. Mm. But in any in any event, it, it's probably considered to be mostly a historical term now, and oh, really? most serious people don't have too much time for it. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, then let's move on. <laughs> well, no, we can talk about it. Uh, um, it, it it's... Um, you know, it's a kind of a catchy brand in the same way that New York School refers to a number of uh, abstract artists of the post-war period. So it's almost like it just it just becomes so diluted after a point that it almost becomes meaningless. Well, there was no school and there was no master in the school, but right. it, but uh, some of the artists went to school together and knew each other through a school, through UBC, in fact. Um, all those artists that you mentioned, including Chris Dikiakos, all went through art history at UBC. Yeah. Um, not exactly at the same time, but overlapping. <laughs> so um, UBC could claim to be the Vancouver School. <laughs> UBC could claim to hothouse yeah. the first generation of the so-called Vancouver School. Right. Now, um, how about the film, just in terms of um, how long did it take to, to make and, and um, how many months or years was it in, yeah. in the making? Huh. How many months and years? Well, it took about three years. Uh, we were in development for about a year. Um, we shot over a period of um, six months, not six months continuously, but off and on, a few days here and there. And we were editing for um, probably four to six months, something like that. Uh, we collected about 80 hours of footage and boiled it down to less than an hour. Wow, that uh, sounds uh, tricky. Like a quite a feat. It's pretty chunky work. Well, and yeah. did you know uh, beforehand the, the general structure of the film, or did you just go into it sort of just freehand and say we're just going to get a lot of material and see where the themes emerge? Both, probably. Yeah, yeah both. Uh, and now it's done. <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> it's done. It's done. I just got back into town, so I'm a little bit jet lagged. But uh, yeah, no, it's. It, it's done. Of course, we could have made a variety of different films sure. out of the material that, that we got. That had, yeah, but, yeah. Um, but uh, ultimately, we decided to focus on that first generation of artists, um, Ian and Jeff and Rodney and, and, and Chris is in there too, um, who kind of came up in the late 60s, early 70s, I guess, yeah. um, and uh, left the subsequent generations and other people who were their contemporaries who were also making important art, like um, Marion Penner Bancroft, for example, to, for another film. Mm-hmm. Great, well, thanks very much. Okay, you're welcome. Yeah. And that's Harry Killis, who survived his jet lag and, uh, and told us about Picture Start, which is coming to Doxa tomorrow at 7 p.m. at the Van City Theatre. And you can get more information on that film at doxafestival.ca. That's www.doxafestival.ca. Okay, so we're going to play a song from Man Man, which is the name of a band uh, from Philadelphia who are here um, playing at the rickshaw. They will be playing on... What day are they playing, Anna? Tuesday. Tuesday. They'll be playing at the rickshaw on Tuesday. And this is a song called Life Fantastic, which is also the name of their album. And 
what else can I tell you about uh, these guys? Uh, let me see here, man, man. Yeah, we'll be playing at the rickshaw on Tuesday. They're promoting the new album. Do we have? Okay, let's take a break. Let's take a let's let's take a break. Man, playing music is hard on this show. You know, if we were a regular music show, then then you could be hard on us for this. But we do interviews, okay? We don't play music here, and when we try to play music, we fall on our faces. So we're just gonna play an ad and uh, try to get a song for you. Stay stay with us. Keeping the boot every Tuesday from 2 to 3 p.m. on CITR 101.9 FM here in Vancouver. Sample the various flavors of Italian folk music from the north to the south, traditional to modern, on this bilingual Italian and English show. Un programma bilingue che esplora il mondo della musica etnica italiana. Given the boot. Okay, and we're back on the Arts Report here on CITR 101.9 FM. We've almost wrapped up the show. Uh, now's a good time to, to tell you about our podcast from last week. It's got tons of great interviews, including two interviews for shows that you can attend even today. Uh, those two shows are Love Stories and The You Show. Love Stories is at Little Mountain Gallery on Main Street, and The You Show is at The Colch. So you can check uh, those two interviews out, get an idea of what uh, what those what those um, performances will be, and uh, and watch them. So check out uh, citr.ca where you can find links to our podcast from last week, and you can subscribe to our podcast so that it goes directly into your iTunes inbox every week, um, whether you can make it for Wednesday at five or not, and stay up to date on all the arts and culture news uh, and events happening so um i think i'll just wrap it up here we are going to play a song uh for you but i'm gonna uh wrap it up and say my thank yous thanks to anna in the studio with me today and uh don't laugh don't laugh it's okay it's you know things happen um 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 what was i gonna say uh what's next i don't think we have a show next um i think we're just gonna play a cd Normally, uh, Discord or Radio would be next, but uh, I don't think they've got anything for us. So, just some lovely music that uh, Anna will pick. And, um, yeah, join us next week for another... Oh, there is a Discord show. Oh, good. Okay, so there is a Discord show. So stay tuned for Discord or Radio, and uh, we'll be back next week. We won't try to play music. We'll just do interviews. Because... Apparently we can't play music. We don't know how. Uh, okay, thanks for listening and, uh, and and join us. Join us again next week. Bye bye.
Dress your scars. 